0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Hope you had a great weekend. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, we start with a ton of polling, none of which is good for Joe Biden. He's going to give his uh, State of the Union address tomorrow night and talk about how everything's fantastic And if you look at his Twitter feed and Ron Klain, everything they're doing is just turning up roses. Everybody's life is better. Not the case if you talk to actual Americans, though, and they kind of matter. So uh, ABC News and Washington Post with a new poll uh, and the ABC News story says four in 10 Americans say they've gotten worse off financially since Biden became president. The most in ABC News, Washington Post polls dating back 37 years Political fallout includes poor performance ratings for Biden and a tight hypothetical Biden-Trump rematch for next year. Uh, Nearly six in 10 Democratic-aligned adults don't want to see Biden nominated again for the job. 37% uh, are good with that, only 22% uh, overall, so just 37% of Democrats. In the head-to-head against Trump, uh, among all adults, 48-44 for Trump, among registered voters, 48-45. Uh, for Trump. And the numbers don't get much uh, better off uh, the, the further you go down. Biden's overall approval number pretty much stuck 42% approve, 53% uh, disapprove. He gets terrible numbers, for example, on handling the economy 37%, 38% on the war in Ukraine, just 28% on immigration. You have to wonder if those 28 have been following at all. So Jim, uh, uh, there's also a New York Times report saying that the Democrats are are done with Kamala. They don't see her as the, the future of the progression of the party anymore. So Democrats really uh,
1: coalescing around their very, very best uh, heading into next year. It's been interesting. Every once in a while, you will see Democrats insisting that they actually do have a deep bench and that if they were not so reflexively defensive and protecting this president, you would hear more discussion of it. Look, according to a variety of reports, this White House really thought the State of the Union this week was going to be a victory lap. And Greg, I cannot tell you how much I resent the fact that I am professionally obligated to watch the State of the (laughs) Union address. It's another good Tuesday night, just wasted. um, Because we all kind of know, first of all, I would ask anyone who's like, "Oh no, it's the State of the Union. It's a big deal." Name one thing that Biden said from the last one. <laughs> Name anything you can remember from the Trump ones. Name anything you can remember from the Obama ones. Maybe you remember Pelosi tearing up the speech, or one of you know, Buzz Aldrin making an appearance. But by and large, the the State of the Union comes and goes with remarkably little impact. You don't usually see a big change in the president's polling numbers. You don't usually see. Uh, Trump would have several, you know, very presidential-sounding ones, and then within a couple of days, he'd be back to, you know, tweeting angrily and, and back to that. We're going to get a probably a perfectly fine delivered speech from President Biden. The Democrats will stand in applause every other sentence. Republicans will not. Republicans will applaud a little bit here and there. It might be a little interesting to see what he says about China, but I'm not expecting, you know, any you know massive revelations or anything like that. And you look at the overall the the interesting thing is is that the biden white house is convinced that they've done a terrific job and then you look at all those poll numbers you laid out the public is not convinced the public does not believe it and you know what's going to happen is at some point you know biden will sit down for some interview or harris or uh the new chief of staff and we know what white house spokesmen and presidents and vice presidents say when they have bad poll numbers you never hear them say, yeah, we screwed up. We've we messed things up. We're, we're really doing badly. They always say, well, we've got a great record. We just haven't communicated it correctly. And they're always they're just around the corner. Some new communications initiative that's going to completely change how Americans feel about them. Well, look, we're more than two years into Biden's presidency. He is the ultimate known quantity. And I think if they really feel like they're doing great stuff and the public is not impressed, and in fact, the public doesn't believe they've done very much according to these bold numbers, Well, it means one of two things. Either the policies are bad, which A, yes, correct. But secondly, if you have an agenda that you're really proud of and you think people are going to like, maybe it's time to recognize that you cannot adequately communicate it with an 80-year-old president who spends every weekend in Delaware at the beach house or the other house and who, other than the State of the Union, doesn't really give a lot of night speeches, doesn't really give a lot of... Generally, he talks late morning to early afternoon and then they call a lid. And when Biden speaks, it's always... you know. Ah, uh, you know, deer don't wear Kevlar, and it's you know the same old meandering stories, and you know, ah, uh, had me as a secret agent, and you know, it's always just one nonsense after another. It's not persuasive, and if you go to these, you know, the AP poll, they they did follow up interviews with respondents, and a lot of them said, yes, he's old. He he just doesn't seem like he's you know he's out of it most of the time. So, you know, in a way, this is all kind of like smoke and mirrors trying to get, you know, the White House is trying to convince you Biden is doing a great job here. And the good martini is that the American people just aren't buying it. No, and they haven't bought it for a long time.
0: Uh, Afghanistan is where he went south in terms of approval versus disapproval. November of 21, he was uh, underwater by 12 points, 53 41. And other than one jumped to negative 18 points. The best he's been is minus 10, but it's just been very consistent. Minus 14, minus 12, and now he's minus 11. Uh, The American people know what they think of Joe Biden, and the only question is whether they'll think better of the Republican nominee next year, because they know what they think of Joe Biden. And so Republicans have a good opportunity. The question is whether uh, they can can execute and get the job done. So uh, fascinating to watch this, but uh, uh, everything's hunky-dory as far as the Democrats and the media will tell you. When it comes to uh, Democrats looking at these numbers, they might want to uh, pull some hair out. But when it comes to thinning uh, hair and losing hair, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your overall health. There is a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness. So get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol's whole body approach to hair growth. No drugs
1: and no compromises. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root causes of thinning. Physician-formulated using natural medical-grade ingredients, Nutrafol's drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results.
0: You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support the Three Martini Lunch by going to Nutrafol.com/men and entering the promo code Martini to save fifteen dollars off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every single order. So get that fifteen dollars off at Nutrafol.com/men, spelled nutrafo slash men promo code Martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now, and back to the balloon. We talked about it on Friday, Saturday afternoon, of course. Uh, the Air Force shot it down with a missile off the coast of South Carolina over the Atlantic. The Biden administration's argument was that uh, uh, the president announced as early as Wednesday uh, that it should be shot down, but the military decided that shooting it down over land was uh, too big of a threat and so they waited till it was off the coast and then they shot it down a lot of people not okay with that explanation including the brand new chairman of the house intelligence committee mike turner of ohio saying the biden administration dropped the ball here in terms of national security i mean the president allowed this to go across our most sensitive sites and wasn't even going to tell the American public. If you hadn't broken this story, Mm -hmm. uh, the American public would not have even known. There was no attempt to notify Congress, no attempt to put uh, together the gang of eight. Uh, I think this administration lacks urgency. Again, if you look at the path and you put X's where all of our sense of missile defense and nuclear weapons facilities are, I believe that they were trying to gain uh, information on how to defeat the command and control of our nuclear weapons systems and our missile defense systems. That's a crisis that certainly should have had an urgency to the president and not just wait until this gets to the Atlantic to take it down. Uh, that was Turner on Meet the Press yesterday with uh, Chuck Todd. And so, Jim, you write about this uh, at length today. Uh, some people are scratching their heads over you know, Biden giving the order and then the military kind of overruling him, depending on how you interpret it. And uh, this argument that uh, a bunch of balloons came here during the Trump years and we never knew about it and he did nothing about it. And uh, you also have people saying, oh, we were able to block it and actually suck intelligence out of the balloon. So how
1: much of all that stuff do you believe? I think the core of the problem, Greg, is that you can look at each individual step of how the U.S. government responded to the balloon and find a case or a logical argument for why you would take that step. The problem is, is that you end up with a situation in which what the first half of our response and the second half of our response kind of contradict each other. This is all based on information the U.S. government has put out. Apparently, this first came over the U.S. border and into U.S. airspace in the Alaska Joint Operating Area on January 28th. That's, that's a week ago Saturday, right? Goes in over the Aleutian Islands, goes into sovereign U.S. airspace, then it goes into Canadian airspace on the thirtieth. So like two days, then it goes in one. One day later, it goes re-enters U.S. airspace over northern Idaho. Now, obviously, the U.S. the, the Biden administration, the Pentagon, no one mentioned anything about this. And Blinken's trip to Beijing was all systems go, everything was fine. And then the Billings Gazette, you know, people in Montana apparently were noticing, hey, there's this thing up in the sky, and they start posting pictures of it. And then the cat is out of the bag. Now, you can say there's a logic to not shooting it down immediately. You shoot it down over the Illusion Islands, you have a much tougher time recovering it. You might want to say, okay, we don't feel like there's any particular threat of them getting anything that they can't already get from satellites. Let's track this. Let's see where it goes. Let's see what the Chinese want to know. I don't know if that's the right course. I'm not going to pretend that I have all the intelligence that the uh, president, vice president, and the National Security Council has, but I can see the logic of that. The problem is, is that it seems like our attitude was, well, we're going to pretend this doesn't exist until, you know, as long as the public doesn't know, we're not going to tell anyone. And Blinken, you're going to Beijing and every, we're all we're all playing it cool. We're all going to act like we don't notice because we don't want the Chinese to know that we know it's there. And then the Billings Gazette publishes the photos. And then all of a sudden, everything completely changes. And at that point, it's like, okay, oh, you know, metaphorically going up to DEFCON 1, they're mobilizing the F-22s to track it. All of a sudden, you know, Blinken cancels the trip. It's it's all a very big deal. So it went from not a big deal to a very big deal overnight, which was entirely dependent on whether a newspaper in Montana could take pictures of it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we're emphasizing it's not a threat. It's not a threat. Of course, the moment it's out of uh, a spot where it could land on someone, the Pentagon mobilizes Maverick and Rooster, and they go right into the danger zone and shoot it down. I'm glad they did, and I hope we can recover lots of information about this. But it really looks like this administration wanted to not tell anyone anything about it until the public noticed it. Now, the thing is we have a we're a big country, three hundred and thirty some million people. There are a lot of people who like to watch the skies from stargazers and uh, amateur astronomers, not astrologists. maybe although then again, maybe maybe Jupiter is rising, and they're worried about that. Pilots, commercial airline pilots, private pilots. The odds were pretty good. Somebody was going to notice this at this point. One of my uh, colleagues at national review asked the question if the balloon had been discovered while blinken was in beijing meeting with the chinese wouldn't that look really bad wouldn't that look like we were ready to chat and have tea with them while they were spying on us so it really looks like the biden administration's response was driven by the public disclosure of the existence of this balloon oh by the way on the point of the previous ones Yes, the statement from the Pentagon said that it had been three in the Trump administration, one at the very beginning of the Biden administration. There was a very curious thing in the Wall Street Journal today. Apparently, um, all of Trump's you know national security advisors—Robert uh, O'Brien, John Bolton, H.R. McMaster—all of them issued statements saying they were never briefed on a balloon incursions. Also, apparently, his balloon incursions of in the past were briefer and did not really linger in U.S. Uh, airspace for very long, and they were only detected after they had left U.S. airspace. So you get this feeling somebody's not being one hundred percent straight with us. Uh, it does seem strange that you have Chinese surveillance balloons entering U.S. airspace, and this information never makes it all the way up the ladder to the president's national security advisor. Oh, and then finally the last point about this: you know, look, the Chinese knew the the summit with uh, with Blinken was coming up. This certainly seems like a deliberate thumb in the eye. I think what people are kind of jumping out about is that they the Chinese must have known we would detect this fairly early and they kind of did this anyway. And not only this was not a brief incursion, this was to send it all across the country and according to several members of Congress, not only over the Montana nuclear base, but basically all kinds of U.S military bases. So they were, there's something you know I don't want to put this in a, in a praising term, but like there's something very brazen about this. there's something very in your face. China knew it was going to get caught and they're basically almost daring us, what are you going to do about it? And we will see what the uh, administration is willing to do about it. So far, they're willing to cancel a summit. I don't know if the Chinese will see it that much as a uh, st- you know strong deterrent or something like that. But it really does feel like the administration's response was to hope that nobody noticed. Maybe they always intended to shoot it down, but only after it was no longer over land. And it really just seems like, you know, this, this seems like a signal of China saying, hey, we can do this. What are you going to do in response? And I guess that question still has to be answered, Craig. Pretend it's not happening
0: unless you get Mm. caught, apparently. But yeah, I mean, uh, for China allegedly not being able to, uh, you know, uh, control this thing, like you said, and like Mike Turner said, you know, it's just curious that it happened to float over a lot of different sensitive sites in this country from, uh, you know, the Northwest all the way down to uh, South Carolina. I don't find that a coincidence uh, whatsoever. Jim, a lot of people trying to come up with a pop culture uh, analogy to this. I'm talking about the balloon in the warehouse episode of The Office, not a... Uh, super familiar with The Office. Uh, As a uh, father of of two small girls, I have to turn to the cinematic classic uh, from the 70s, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, where he disguised himself as a little black rain cloud, used a balloon to try to go up and uh, get the honey from the bees in the tree. So given that uh, Xi Jinping is so fond of being compared to Winnie the Pooh and using a balloon to undertake surreptitious activity, I figure that was probably our best pop culture parallel.
1: I think that's excellent. And yes, the idea, if we could send, I posted a picture of the Mr. Peanut balloon, but if you could do, if you could create a giant hot air balloon that looks like Winnie the Pooh, if we could just send that over Beijing, that would be an appropriate metaphorical middle finger to give them back.
0: Oh, uh, yes. All right. Biden administration, you've got your marching orders. Get on that. All right, Jim, under our crazy martini now. And we had debated last week whether to even mention Tom Brady's second for good retirement. We'll see if it takes. It seems like this one's you know, he's a little more solid on, on, the, on the decision to step away. But that's not the crazy part. The crazy part is that certain people are willing to spend a ridiculous amount of money on literally anything. And it makes you wonder whether certain people deserve to be destitute. Because here's the Washington Times. Those looking for a piece of history can buy sand from the beach where Tom Brady announced his NFL retirement for nearly six figures, an eight-ounce mason jar of the sand is going for $99,900, according to the eBay listing titled Tom Brady's Exact Retirement Spot Bottled Sand. So far, the uh, offer has gotten 119 bids, and it says, quote, You will find no other listing like this. No one else took a sample on February 1st after the GOAT, greatest of all time, posted his real retirement. The seller, a user named Gadgets, said uh, in the description item, you will be owning the very land the goat retired on. So, Jim, totally not a cult. I'm guessing you're not one of the 119 (laughs) bids here. But uh, if you're willing to drop 100K on sand, um, I kind of feel sorry for you. I think there's a much better way to spend that money.
1: But, uh, you know, it's a free country. I was going to say, I remember years ago, I think it was Tom Nichols, got really, you know, he'd seen something online about the spectator sport of playing video games and uh, twitch is full of this right where you you just you know choose to watch someone else play a video game and tom thought this was the you know dumbest thing he'd ever heard of and went on this perfect get off my long you, you kids rant um and it's easy to understand that you know it's not how i would choose to spend my time or or that and apparently like there are some people who like will, will pay tickets to watch other people play video games at these video game tournaments <laughs> But I said, like, you know, it's a it's a big country. It's a free country. If this is how you want to spend your time and spend your money, go ahead and do this. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people think being a Jets fan is crazy. Um, I don't want ever, the whole public reviewing how I spend my money or spend my time. You know, let people go out and do what they want to do. When I hear about people spending this much money for sand, Greg, that we <laughs> By the way, there's no. How do you verify that this is actually the sand from the beach where Tom Brady was, you know. How do you know this is not just some guy who's putting sand in a bottle and saying, "Ah, I'm gonna, you know, sucker all these people"? All right, I see where you're coming from, Tom Nichols. There is perhaps this limit. This does paint to being a decadent society. And look, as a as a capitalist, as a free marketeer, as someone who believes that um, the free market gives the most people the most ways to find fulfillment and happiness, and you know, support their families. Um, I try not to choose how other people spend their money, but um, this feels fair. I, I'm just starting, Greg. I see what the socialists mean. <laughs> Uh, you know, okay, uh, Che, all right, I see, I can see why you feel that way. I kind of felt that way when uh, MTV used to do the show My Super Sweet 16 and they used to spotlight these insufferably spoiled brats who would want everything just right for their unbelievably lavish. I'm like, okay, Bernie Sanders, I see where you're coming from. I'm not, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not, joy- I'm not putting on the beret. I'm not, you know, but okay, yeah, there are some really insufferable rich people in this country. And the purchase of Tom Brady's sand really does seem like uh, a, another good example of this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to the guy who's selling it.
0: I mean, if you can get somebody to pay $100,000 for a jar of sand, go for it. But uh, the person who's buying that, I don't think people walking through your house are going to be super impressed with that. But... Um, just crazy. Yeah, I saw like 30 seconds of a super sweet 16 years ago. I'm, I assume it's not even on anymore. And the uh, the super spoiled rich girl got a Mercedes or a Beamer and she was furious because it was the wrong color. That's, <laughs> that's
1: where, you know, our culture is headed. I mean, I suppose like the point of that show is you're supposed to hate these people. Maybe, right? yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's not, it, it almost is a form of, you know, journalism by MTV News. Uh, a sense of like, hey, there are people in this world who really are that way. But we all kind of know at some point reality hits these people in the face and they, you know, they will either live miserable lives or they'll learn to appreciate what they have and they'll try to find something that fulfills them more than having the Lamborghini in exactly the color they wanted. Um, you know, I, and maybe there's something like meant to make you feel better, who presumably is not a multimillionaire watching the show that, well, these people are really rich, but it actually feel like seem like miserable people. So maybe you middle class viewer, you're doing just fine.
0: Enjoy the sand, whoever's got the leading bid. you got to wonder with seven days to go, whether after thinking about it for a little while, it's like, please outbid me. Please outbid (laughs) me. Although I guess you could probably withdraw it. But anyway, Jim, have a great day. uh, And I will see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Carumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And please tell a friend about us as well. Thanks for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. We always enjoy uh, getting those. And also, get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Monday. And join us again on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch.